You are listening to the Phenom MLB Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analyst in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to At The Dish, presented by the Phenom Media Baseball Show. I am here with my host, Jasper Abrams. How are you doing today, Jasper? You know, it's kind of some bad weather outside, but nevertheless, we're here to talk some baseball. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Bad weather can't stop positivity when you talk about baseball. Baseball is always positive, unless it gets canceled like the recent season. But um, today, breaking news by Jeff Passan. Um, Former all-star first baseman Josh Bell has been traded to the Washington Nationals in exchange for two pitching prospects. Jasper, what are your original thoughts on this Josh Bell trade? Well, this offseason, as we know, it has been has been somewhat slow. And with this Josh Bell trade announcement, uh, it's giving us some hope during the new year. And uh, many could say it's a Christmas Eve miracle that we finally have uh, somewhat of a major acquisition during these winter, winter offseason times. So breaking down the trade, like you said, it was Josh Bell, the first baseman from the Pittsburgh Pirates, heading to Washington. And in return, uh, Pittsburgh will receive Will Crow and Eddie Yeen, uh, their third overall and sixth overall pitching prospects in the farm system. So based off of that, um, I think the Pittsburgh Pirates won that trade as they're not really in contention as of right now, but they're slowly rebuilding and slowly acquiring pieces to ultimately um, make the playoffs sooner rather than later. So you think that the Pirates won the trade. I'm under the opinion that the Nationals won the trade. Just because I'm looking back at the Pirates' track record and almost all of their trades where they would trade one player who was a quote-unquote star have backfired at them. Remember, they, they traded for Chris Archer. They gave away Glasnow and Austin Meadows. They definitely lost that trade. I mean, they just let kind of McCutcheon go. I don't like the Pirates' track record. And the thing is, is that Will Crow has definitely shown flashes of being a good starting pitcher, but he has to stay healthy. And if Will Crow can stay healthy, he'll be fine. He has a great um, slider changeup combination. He is a mediocre uh, four-seam fastball, but he's a lefty arm that could be uh, – well, it was lefty. Lefty arm that could be used to – I'm sorry. I said lefty arm. He's a righty arm. But he gives you length. He can come out of the pen, um, even though he's more of a traditional starting pitcher. And he's kind of what the 
Pirates need because I have a feeling that a guy like Joe Musgrove is going to end up leaving this offseason. He'd probably be packaged in a trade. So they kind of lose, obviously, their best hitter. But they have a guy in Key Brian Hayes who was sensational in this season. And I really don't think either team lost, but, but I don't think either team really won the trade. Yeah, you bring up a very good point. Um, Will Crow could provide an immediate impact into the Pittsburgh Pirates rotation. And as for Eddie Yeen, uh, he's, he's somewhat of a younger guy projected to uh, make his debut in 2023, 2024. Um, and on the flip side, uh, the Washington Nationals are receiving two years, two full seasons of Josh Bell in their lineup and in their infield. So, Zach, how do you think Josh, Bell, Josh Bell's game will translate into Washington? Well, you saw how lefty hitters, they love hitting in D.C. Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Adam Eaton. So I think that Bell, even though he's a switch hitter, he is a much better hitter from the left side. Um, I think he's going to put up great power numbers. He's always the type of guy like that. He'll play mediocre defense, decent arm. Um, but I think that he's going to slot into that Nationals lineup well to the point where they're going to be able to platoon him and Ryan Zimmerman now lefty righty lefty righty and I think that'll create really good balance in that Nationals lineup do you think well as Washington acquires Josh Bell and the Mets are into the in in division rivals and they're also looking to make impact moves this all season uh who do you think is the favorite to come out of the National League East well I definitely don't think this puts the Nationals over the top I still think it's the Braves but this is probably now the best division in baseball, and I'm going to say that confidently. All five teams could easily have a winning record. They most likely won't because they got to play each other. But if you move any of these five teams into another division, they got a shot of winning it. And the thing is, it's like you look at the Braves lineup, sensational, young pitching staff. The Mets have DeGrom, Alonzo, Dominic Smith. They're in talks for Arenado, for an Arenado trade. They got Conforto, Nimmo. You, you look at the um, Marlins, Miguel Rojas had an insane season this year. Jazz Chisholm's coming up. Um, Sixto Sanchez looked sensational. So this Marlins team's on the rise. And the thing with the Nationals, the Nationals and Phillies are both definitely on a downfall. The Phillies are most likely not going to re-sign JT Real Muto, so that kind of just leaves Bryce Harper on that team and Reese Hoskins, but he's okay. Um and they are begging for money, this Phillies team. So I, I have a feeling they're going to end up coming in last. And the Nationals might have the best pitching staff in baseball in Strasburg, Scherzer, Anibal Sanchez, Patrick Corbin. And now, like, I, this division is such a toss-up, but I see the Nationals coming in third or fourth place. And you said, which is a very bold statement, you said the Washington Nationals have the best starting rotation in baseball. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that take. Um, I think the Dodgers, well, I recently wrote an article about this explaining that in the coming season, the Atlanta Braves will have, if not the best, one of the top rotations in baseball uh, alongside the Los Angeles Dodgers. So as, as we've seen before, the Braves are, are, uh, are, are holding on to some strong uh, and young, bright pieces within the rotation, as in Max Fried, uh, Mike Soroka, um, Cole Hamels, and, and, and a few more. So. so 
I'm going to stop you there. Cole Hamels isn't young, but Ian Anderson, he was really good in his eight starts that he had this season and looked really good in the playoffs. The only thing that's going to hold the Braves back this year is that I don't know what Soroka you're going to get. He came off an Achilles injury, which probably one of the hardest injuries besides Tommy John surgery to come back from as a just overall player. Um, so Max Fried is going to have to deal like he did last season for this Braves rotation to be high class like they are. But now if you look at the Dodgers rotation, like you were saying, obviously they're headlined by Kershaw and Bueller. Kershaw has to stay healthy. Bueller is Walker Bueller. Now, the key pieces here are Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May. How do you think that they're both going to have, like they're going to continue their success in their sophomore season? Personally, I think, well, we, we saw flashes of their, of their appearances on the mound in the starting rotation and in the bullpen throughout the postseason. And wherever manager uh, Dave, Dave Roberts placed them into the game, uh, it was an immediate success. So I would put, I would back my chips against Dave Roberts and wherever Dustin May, wherever Tony Gonsolin lands inside the rotation or whether it be in the bullpen, um, I think I think it would be a big hit for the Dodgers. So now there's also two more pieces. They used Julio Urias more as a relief pitcher in the playoffs. But in the regular season, he's more of a starter. And it's interesting. So going back to that, now you're looking at this uh, Nationals trade, Eddie Yeen. He has a ton of similarities to Bruce Dar Gratterall, the long relief guy for the Dodgers. He he like they throw kind of the same stuff and they're both they both are, are well Bruce Dar came up extremely young and I think that Eddie Yeen I mean he has potential to come to come up around the same time that Bruce Dar did. Um how what do you think that their similarities are? Do you think that's a good um like like a how do you think Eddie Yeen should be looked out for? Well, as you mentioned before, drawing comparisons from Eddie Yeen to Bruce Dar Gratterall is such a high praise for this young prospect now in the Pittsburgh Pirates system. Uh, in, the, in the 2020 postseason, we didn't see much, but we saw, we saw flashes of excellence from Bruce Dar Gratterall as his fastball reached upwards of 100 and his nasty sliders, nasty curveball, nasty off-speed pitches just left hit, just left hitters uh, stranded for help. So, like you said, when when you compare this young prospect in Eddie Yeen to a bona fide superstar in Bruce Dar Gratterall, I think I think the Pirates won this trade no matter what. So now you think that Bruce Dar Gratterall is already a bona fide superstar? Well, not not bona fide superstar. He he has he has a ceiling to be a bona fide superstar. He has he has the utilities. He has the the mechanics. Yeah, that that's a good way of phrasing it. So now we're gonna look at kind of the different side of the spectrum. There's guys already who are come on the uprising, and then there's superstars. Trevor Bauer, obviously, he's big in free agency right now do you think that to whatever team he signs for obviously since he does this momentum that's his brand 
Do you think that him vlogging and him being so active on social media is a positive or negative for whatever team he signs with? Could it create a big distraction? Well, that brings up a great question. If, if a team decides to land Trevor Barrett and insert him and in, the front, in the forefront of their rotation, they're also taking a big risk. As Trevor Bauer uh, promotes his personal brand and his personal uh, media outlet and, and watch momentum, teams may not like that, and certain players may not like that. Personally, I think all teams should want this for their players. All teams should want this for, for the league. And as Trevor Bauer continues to promote himself, continues to promote, promote others, and continues to promote baseball in general, um, I don't really see any, any downside towards this. Zach, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the situation at hand? So I think that, for instance, like a manager could be, get extremely angry by this. As you saw, like the Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Playful, they dance on the logos of their opponents. Clearly, this will aggravate the other teams. Now, Bauer obviously doesn't do that to an extreme extent like Juju did. But I think that it could, if they start losing and Bauer will resort to vlogging, I think that could definitely hurt the team's chemistry, hurt how people think of Trevor Bauer. Um, I think that, like, every time Bauer will go on social media, the old head baseball fans, the, the past generation fans, they don't like Bauer. Rob Manfred doesn't like Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is trying to make like he likes Manfred, but everyone knows that he doesn't. Um, and the way that Manfred handles these type of things kind of can impact how far Bauer goes. If Manfred doesn't stop anything that Bauer is doing, honestly, in my opinion, he could probably go over the line. Like, you remember the free Joe Kelly cleats that he had? He didn't wear them because he would have gotten suspended if he did. Um, so that's where Manfred would stop him. Now, that aggravates Bauer because clearly Bauer wants to expand his own brand and um, take this game to a personal level. Meanwhile, he, he, he knows and all the fans know that Rob Manfred is just kind of the commissioner for financial reasons, we should say. Um, and the way that he is moving this game forward is – it, it, the game really isn't moving forward. The game is clearly taking a step back from where it could be going. Now, Jasper, what do you think Rob Manfred should do to either handle Trevor Bauer or to continue to expand the game's brand? Well, as, as time moves forward, uh, different trends in society will, will take place. And as the year 2020 uh, moves on and we enter the new era in 2021, social media is reaching its peak and it's reaching its climax. So when you have players such as Trevor Bauer, and like you said, Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool promoting their personal self, promoting their personal team, promoting their personal brands on social media, you, the team, the team comes out of the situation as a positive because when you're interacting with fans via social media, when you're interacting with the baseball community via social media, such as Trevor Bauer in this scenario, he only helps himself. He only helps promote the game, which if I'm Rob Manfred in my chair right now, I would like every player 
to replicate Trevor Bauer and what he's doing right now. Now, it's a good way of phrasing it. But now, do you think that the MLB should look for a new commissioner that is not named Rob Manfred? I mean, the, the simple answer is yes. But if Major League Baseball were smart, they would do that. But unfortunately, I don't think that's, that's the way they're, they're looking at the spectrum as of right now. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I really don't like Rob Manfred. I know most baseball fans don't like Rob Manfred, but I don't see a way that they're changing. So now we're going to go staying out west, I should say, with Trevor Bauer. The Houston Astros. Obviously, a couple years ago, they, there was the whole cheating scandal. Last year, they got exposed for it. And I, I really think they're on a downfall. Now, Justin Verlander, sadly, needed Tommy John surgery last year and will most likely be missing the whole 2021 season. Now, this puts the Astros' rotation in not the greatest spot. I mean, they got Granky, they got McCullers, they got Urquidy, Christian Javier. It, it's not the – I mean, Framber Valdez. It's not the greatest rotation. But um, with Verlander being out and then Springer and Brantley most likely leaving in free agency – how much has the Astros championship window shrunk? Is there even a championship window? Have the A's fully taken over that division? In, in the prior years, the Astros, the Astros organization was on literally a roller coaster. They're trending upwards, won a championship, and then went downwards as the entire baseball community saw the realization of what was going on behind the scenes in their championship run, which involved uh, cameras and the sign stealing scandal. So ever since then, the organization is just trending downwards and it's blatantly obvious for everyone to see. Like you mentioned, the rotation is not as strong as it could be in the past. Um, in the infield and in the outfield, pieces are falling apart free agents are starting to leave. And even though they have a, they have a few fundamentally sound prospects uh, looking forward to make their major league debuts uh, in the coming year, I don't think, personally, I don't think that it would be much of an impact that, that would put them over the edge in championship contention. So if I'm the Houston Astros, I think – the, the most reasonable option is to knock the house down, rebuild, let the A's take over, and restart the organization. Restart I, think the that's, I think that's probably what they should do. Um, I think they're going to ride it out with this core for probably one to two more seasons and then start tearing it down. But on the bright side for the Astros, Kyle Tucker looked really good last year. You think he's their future center fielder? I think, I think he is. I think if – if, my, if Kyle Tucker is the center point and the focus point of the rebuild, I think, I think the Houston Astros are in a, great, in a great position to build their franchise around. Well, I think Kyle Tucker would probably be the second person. Bregman would probably be the center point of this rebuild, but Tucker is a great starting center field. And the thing with Kyle Tucker is he hits for average. He plays great defense. He has speed. He steals some bases. He has a little bit of pop in that bat. So he's like a Walmart Ronald Acuna. 
I'm not going to say, obviously, he's yeah. that good. But, like, he has similar tools, I should say. And he's young. He's exciting to watch. So, Kyle Tucker's one of the few players in the Astros I actually enjoy watching. Obviously not as flashy and obviously not as, as out there as Ronald Acuna Jr. But I think Kyle Tucker has the pieces to be a, a strong center fielder or a strong outfielder for the Houston Astros in their, in their rebuild uh, stages. I absolutely agree with you. So now I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask you this question, Jasper. If you have one bold hot take for the 2021 MLB season, what would it be? What is going to blow somebody's mind by you saying a certain phrase, a certain line that you think could be true? Well, we've seen this offseason a lot of news surrounding the Chicago White Sox. We've seen them acquire Lance Lynn. We've seen them sign Tony La Russa as their managerial position. A lot of heat came with that as well. But with, with there's such, such a strong core surrounding the Chicago White Sox, I think, I think they're in a strong position to make a firm push for the World Series. Now, I'm not saying they will win, but I do think they will, they will make it to the Fall Classic in 2021. Now, that is bold. So now for my hot take, I'll say this. If the Toronto Blue Jays sign DJ LeMahieu or George Springer, they will win the AL East. If, if LeMahieu lands in Toronto, I think the Yankees will, will be on edge. And I don't really, I don't really see them going, going the distance in past years. And for, for the Rays as well. But I think, I think the AL East will be a battle between Toronto and Tampa Bay. And I think the Yankees will definitely be bottom, mid-tier in that division. And they're, as I said last episode, they're a Garrett Cole injury away from being an 85-win team and fighting for that last wild card spot. So the Yankees have a ton of questions. And they just lost one of their best relievers, Tommy Canely. Tommy Canley uh, recently signed a two-year deal with the L.A. Dodgers. I know that he's coming off of Tommy John surgery, and he will most likely miss the 2021 season. But that is such a big loss for the Yankees and such a huge pickup for the Dodgers because Kenley Jansen is not the same Kenley Jansen. And Blake Trinan, he's good, but he's not sensational anymore. So with the addition of Tommy Canley, does this make the Dodgers bullpen the best bullpen in baseball? If not the best, the Dodgers have one of the best uh, bullpens in baseball. Like you said, they acquired Tommy Canely, even though he may not be a number one guy in the back end of games, he still uh, brings together the team in the dugout and off the field. We've seen clips of him. We've seen clips of him uh, in spring training with the Yankees, just just fooling around with the players, causing chaos. Uh, making new friends, and I think if time, if you insert that in the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think the Dodgers will be on another level within their chemistry and within their team bonding, and that could only help them in the future runs. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, I don't see a way that they don't repeat this year. 
They have the offense. They have the pitching staff. They have the back end of the bullpen. They can platoon guys in and out of their lineup. Dave Roberts is an amazing manager. I, I honestly think the Dodgers are probably going to win the World Series again this season. Yeah, and the Dodgers, could you compare the Dodgers to the Golden State Warriors with um, as, as they're the super team currently in Major League Baseball? Yeah, what the Warriors were, I, I think that that is a very strong comparison. I think that the Dodgers, um, they're going to be a dynasty. They're going to probably win three out of like three times in maybe the next five years. I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. But the Dodgers are legit. I don't think there's a team that's better in baseball. Now we go to the other end, though. What do the Yankees have to do? This bullpen is falling apart. Aroldis Chapman is not the same player as he was. And they lost Canely. Ottavino's not sensational anymore. Um, who do the Yankee? Who should the Yankees look for to either step up or maybe sign to improve this bullpen? Because I was thinking of a guy maybe like Archie Bradley, maybe going out and grabbing to sec- help secure this back end of the bullpen. Because from what once was an amazing bullpen is now being torn down and isn't so great anymore. Yeah, this offseason is surrounded by questions for the New York Yankees. And if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm looking at the bullpen, seeing not that strong pieces. I'm seeing old, old arms fade away. And this offseason, uh, the Yankees' number one target should be, well, besides DJ LeMahieu, obviously, their number one target should be Liam Hendricks, as he possesses the most elite uh, prowess as, as bullpen pitcher throughout baseball. And if he lands in the Bronx, the Yankees will will have a resurgence of energy throughout the back end of games. So now you're looking at Liam Hendricks. I'm thinking of a guy like Kirby Yates because Kirby Yates came off an injury last year. He was amazing in 2019. 2020, he wasn't that good. He was hurt. So I think the Yankees can get him for a cheaper deal and um, really send a message to the rest of the AL that they're still here to stay. Yeah, for sure. Even if they don't ink a a proven bullpen arm, they still have the young prospects. And I think if they could transition one of the one of the young pitchers into a Chad Green type of guy, a uh, Dylan Patances type of guy when he was on the Yankees, I think they could be they could be in a very strong position for the coming seasons. Now, who do you think of the Yankees' farm system could be transitioned into a guy like that? You think it could be um, a guy like – look, I mean, Domingo Herman is not in the farm system anymore, obviously, but he's proven that he gets worse as farther he goes in the game. So maybe they make him a reliever and he could be good? Yeah, or I'm looking at, at Clark Schmidt, possibly, or even uh, Davey Garcia as, as to be transitioned in the back end of games. Uh, the Yankees rotation is also somewhat shaky. And if you could, if you could, if you could transition a few young guys to open arms, um, the Yankees will be more than content with, with that at hand. Yeah, I think you're right. And a guy that I'm thinking of maybe Luis Gill or, um, Medina, maybe Albert Abreu, we saw flashes of this year, maybe because they are all, they all throw really hard. So, um, Maybe they can make him into a back-end type of reliever. Yeah, there's just so many options at hand. 
And it's up, it's up to Brian Cashman and the organization to, to decide the fate of, of the team at this point. Brian Cashman has a lot of decisions to make this offseason and in the up-and-coming years. So that's going to wrap up this episode of At The Dish. Thank you guys for watching, or listening, I should say. And uh, we'll see you next week.